Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lalas. Welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. This episode, we'll be talking Missing Messi, Jury Duty, Dear Child, Pizza, El Trafico, Milan Derby, Atlanta Soccer Capital, 50 Cent, the UCL Return, Youth Soccer, and so much more. But first joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Masi, how are you doing on this Monday, September 18th in the year 2023? I am doing well, and it's good to see you. I know it's going to be touch and go this week. It is. Uh, I am here and ready and willing and able to perform my civic duty of jury duty. And so I am in that, as a lot of people know, this roulette mode where uh, the night before each day, so last night, Sunday night, you call up or you log on and find out whether you are, be first off, being called in to even potentially be on a jury. So I got out of Monday, so we're able to do this pod, but tonight I'm going to have to log in again and find out if I'm going to have to come on Tuesday, Wednesday uh, through the week. And so if I get through the entire week without doing it, I will have served in the eyes of the law, uh, but I won't actually have gone in. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, I am here to do it. Um, you watch anything or uh, read anything or see anything interesting worth talking about? Well, I should say there is a television show, Jury Duty, I have not watched yet, but Kat and oh Sean goodness. Sullivan giving it a strong recommendation. Not only a, a strong recommendation, but I think they were talking about it in and framing it as something that is, I don't know if it's never been done before, but certainly they have never seen it. And so the unique aspect of it has made me very, very interested and curious to check uh, to check this out. Hey, Mossy, uh, before I get to uh, to something that I, that I watched, um, I, uh, I may have failed as a quote unquote soccer dad. Uh, I spent this, uh, this past weekend, Friday night lights, my friend, my, uh, my son, who's 15 years old and just, uh, just got into high school has, uh, has started playing football, American football, uh, with the pads and the helmet and all that kind of stuff. We went back and forth and, you know, is this something that we would want him to do, let alone allow him to do. And so he is now playing, uh, now playing football. I'm having a blast. It's, 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 so different, like the whole dynamic on the field, off the field, just that surrounds football is something I, I didn't grow up with. Obviously, I, I know about football and I have watched football, but I didn't grow up around it. And it's just fascinating to see some of the differences. So as we go through this season, I'll be talking probably at different times and kind of pointing out uh, some different th things. For my son, you know, there's a physical part of American football that obviously is not part of American soccer. And so I actually like it. There's a discipline to it uh, from the coaching staff and just in general. Uh, and then there is absolutely a, uh, 
kind of hyped testosterone type of filled environment that I don't think is the worst uh, thing. But as I'm sure most parents that have their kids playing football, you live and die with every play relative to to your son getting getting hurt. And luckily, he's he's very new, doesn't doesn't play a whole lot, but he's out of his comfort zone. It's all his. And it's funny to see me on the sideline while American football is going on. Luckily, he doesn't play a whole lot. That's an interesting view for a parent. I get it uh, yeah, from an injury he's, standpoint. He's a freshman. Uh, he's a freshman. And so he gets in. And I will tell this story. He, he got in the other day and it was his first time ever being on a football field. And he was across from a senior, the, the school that they were playing. And uh, he, ta- he told the guy, hey, listen, I've never played before and I'm a freshman. And the guy, the guy took pity on him to a certain extent. So uh, this is so I, I will be giving you the saga as we go on. Uh, I have watched something Dear Child on Netflix. It's a six part series. It's actually a German um, uh, episodal type of thing uh, about this woman that is kidnapped and then kind of comes back in and they have to go back and figure out how it all happened. It's one of those where it was originally done in German. And so I don't understand why the dubbing of these uh, foreign uh, TV productions is so bad. It shouldn't be this bad when it's done in English. And it really takes you out. I didn't think in general it was, it was that good. There were a lot of great reviews for it. Um, So I can't necessarily recommend it, but I got through the whole thing. And again, the dubbing just continues to be really, really crappy when you watch it and you use the English language. So maybe I would would have been better off if I had just used the subtitles. I have a few things. Okay, Okay. what do you got? Uh, I finished Top Boy, which was terrific. The final season of that show. Keith Costigan, also a big fan. We've been texting about it. Uh, I watched last night the season finale of Winning Time, which we now come to find out was the series finale. Canceled, right? the show has been canceled, which means we ended with Larry Bird and the Celtics winning the 84 finals, which is absolutely bizarre, but that's the way HBO has chosen to go out. Well, obviously you were the only one watching. (laughs) Yes. Um, Much to Jeff Perlman's chagrin, uh, there was talk initially about this being HBO's The Crown and going for several seasons and taking it all the way up to Kobe and Shaq, but it was not to be. And lastly, I saw a movie this weekend. We did. A Haunting in Venice, which is the third of those Agatha Christie yes, adaptations. Yes. Kenneth Branagh, is it Branagh or is, is he in that? Yes. Okay. Uh, much like the previous two, I would say good, not great, but this was probably my favorite of the three. If for no other reason than it's set in Venice and, and very atmospheric and the mood got me. It's a, a spooky movie in this palazzo in the Grand Canal, Venice during Halloween. I like but that. But the traditional way of these things is it gets worse with each number two and three as it goes on. Not always, but it, it's, in this case, you actually like the third one the best. Correct. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I, will, uh, I don't think I've, I might have seen the first one. But I will, I will, uh, I will check it out. All right, red light, uh, red light to scan, my friend. Let's do it. All right, where should we start? We begin with a fun weekend in Major League Soccer. Lots of goals, including in Atlanta, where Atlanta United beat Inter Miami five-two. Lennon, Jakumakis, Wolf among the scorers for the five stripes. Campana got both for Inter Miami. The big story here, though, is that Lionel Messi did not play in this match. So to give the whole context here. He did reportedly pick up a knock over the international break, which is why he didn't play in Argentina's second game away to Bolivia. But in the lead up to this match, Tata Martino had said he was not injured. Uh, so then he doesn't play. Tata says afterwards that he has been suffering from muscle fatigue. He had nothing to do with the turf, but he doesn't want to risk him getting injured because they have one eye on that Open Cup final on the 27th. The way we found out that Messi hadn't traveled is that he posted the night before the game a picture on IG of him 
ordering pizza from this Argentinian spot <laughs> in Miami, Banquero, I guess it's called. And so everybody put two and two together and uh, deduced that he wasn't going to play. And sure enough, he wasn't there. A lot of disappointed fans, the Athletic interviewed lots of them, people who traveled hours, spent hundreds of dollars on their tickets. Uh, so a lot of debate about this. What say you? So 70,000 people showed up in Atlanta. And we know the, the phenomenon that is Messi uh, when he travels uh, and his team travels and there is the expectation that he is going to play even weeks ahead of time that, to your point, more tickets are sold, higher price tickets are sold, and record amounts of crowds comes, uh, come out. Now, ultimately, this 70,000, while they went home disappointed that they didn't see Messi, many of them, that had bought it specifically to see Messi. And, and again, it's not relative. The only reason that they are buying these tickets is, like I said, specifically to see Messi. It's not Inter-Miami. It's not Atlanta. But there were certainly plenty of Atlanta fans there, and they don't care. But ultimately, if you were part of that 70,000, while you were disappointed not seeing Messi, you were still treated to a hell of a game. Plenty of goals, a home team winning, a rocking type, uh, type of atmosphere. So that's on the field. And look, this is the first time that Tata Martino and company have been broken in the Messi era. And yes, it happened without Messi on the field. And we'll get to that, uh, get to that in a second. But the story about this game, to your point, is Messi not being there and in, in not being there, disappointing people. And I want to read a quote here from Don Garber uh, that he gave to The Athletic relative to this situation. He said, Messi has played probably more games than anybody ever expected. He came in quickly and has played in the U.S. Open Cup. He played in the League's Cup. He played for his country and scored a goal against Ecuador. It's a lot of games for a guy who, was delivered, who, who has delivered in so many ways on and off the field. These are decisions that clubs have to make and commissioners will support any decision that the team makes. Fair, fair enough. But that is a little bit disingenuous. That is a little bit simplistic. And that is a little bit naive when it comes to Major League Soccer and what Don Garber as the commissioner of Major League Soccer and all of the teams and all of the ownership, it should be said, have done with uh, Messi. They have used Messi from the moment it was announced to sell and to hype and to pro and to promote absolutely everything on and off the field, like I said, from the moment that his decision was made. But I think that whether it's Inter-Miami and MLS, if they have information, and if he is not going to play, they need to make it very, very clear, especially before using Messi for all of these teams and leagues, and let's be honest, soccer promotion that's going on. I think it's important, and I think it's vital for fans and media and teams to know. And Messi has proven to be the difference when he plays for Inter-Miami. And I think it's the club's responsibility to do everything to inform, but also from a purely competitive standpoint, I would also think that it's Inter-Miami's responsibility to do everything to make the playoffs. Now, Tata Martino has come out and said now that no, the priority is the final of the Open Cup, which, by the way, leads you to Champions League. And so I can understand that. But again, be open and be honest with everybody. And I don't think that that's too much uh, to ask for this team relative to Messi and what he does. And so I do think it's, it's one thing to say buyer beware. Fair enough. And that is absolutely valid in a number of things. But in this situation, that buyer was purposely not informed of the situation at a time when he or she could have been. And I don't, I just don't think that that is ultimately right. Can, uh, 
uh, and and, and I'll also say this when it comes to promotion and marketing. Messi, like every player in Major League Soccer, is bound by contractual obligations, uh, negotiated and agreed upon negotiations when it comes to the CBA, the standard player agreement, and all these different things. And if you look through them, they have plenty of wordage uh, about what they need to do and promote. And, you know, had, had Messi shown up and just waved, would that have been enough? I think that that would have been enough. I think that that would have been something. And I remember back in the day when uh, we were dealing with David Beckham, who remember when he first arrived was actually injured. And there were some times where he didn't go. And I went back and looked up some of the articles. For example, he didn't play in Dallas and people were disappointed that he didn't play in Dallas. He was hurt. He was hurt, legitimately hurt. Okay. And he actually made a point of coming out publicly and apologizing to the people of Dallas. We then went to trips. And I remember going to, for example, Toronto, where he was hurt, but he was there. He was with us. So at least people were able to see that. And this is an icon. This is a star that people want to see. Messi has been brought to, the, to Major League Soccer, not just to kick the ball, but to promote the league. And if he doesn't want to do that, or if he is being absolved of any responsibility to do that, fair enough, but tell us and tell everybody ahead of time. So people aren't spending money. People aren't, again, buying things without the pertinent information relative to what's going on with Messi. Yeah, the timing of his arrival was odd because it relegated MLS almost to third fiddle behind the League's Cup and the Open Cup. So on a footballing level, let's say this is load management and he's not really that injured. What do you think of this decision to almost blow off making the MLS playoffs and instead prioritizing winning the Open Cup? So if you are a season ticket holder, recognize that they are purposely not giving you the best possible chance to have the best possible outcome for the money that you have spent in terms of the product that they are putting on the field. They are putting all of their eggs in that one basket. And, and I can understand the lose the battle to win the war situation, whether it's relative to the open cup or whether it's relative to the fight to, uh, to, uh, for that last playoff spot that Miami is in. And Messi had nothing to do with the beginning of the season, but he came in at the middle of the season and they've been on a roll right now. And if there is a chance, Messi is part of the team. And as we mentioned, such an important part of the team. So I can, I can understand what they are doing, but in doing so, they are not giving the customer the best product. And so you have to decide whether you care or not. I'm sure there's plenty of Miami fans that don't give a crap and they're going to still buy their tickets and, and do whatever. And that's part of the calculation that Chris Henderson down there, that Tata Martino, and to a certain extent, all of MLS, including Don Garber, are making. That people are going to buy their tickets no matter what, so we're going to do whatever the, whatever the hell we do. But I just, I, again, it's one thing if, if you just said, you know what, Messi's only responsibility is for Inter-Miami. And again, the whole thing about turf, at no point has he said that he will not play on turf. But if he were to, to believe that, you know what, it's not good for me as Messi, or Tata Martino said it's not good for him to play on turf, fine. I, I mean, I don't, I don't like it, but at least I can respect the fact if you come out and say, you know what, Messi is not going to play on turf. Fair enough. Now you don't have a kid for his birthday whose parents got him tickets to potentially see Messi going out there and buying tickets for a game that's played on turf. And again, we all know that in sports, it, it's not assured that you are going to see the star, uh, stars out there. But in this case, there are so many opportunities and there were so many opportunities 
for the league, for the team, for the individuals involved to make it very, very clear to cut it off the pass. And that was not done. Do you think the prices for some of these away games, the remainder of the season are going to go down a little bit because people are going to be hedging their bets as to whether he's going to play or not? I think so. I mean, this should be a shot across the bow to recognize that. I mean, again, Messi played all the games and to to John Don Garber's point. Yes, he has played a a bunch of games in a row, but Messi's also been pretty good about taking care of his body and not sustaining massive injuries. And I know he's older. And again, it gets back into if you really look at the amount of running that Messi does (laughs) relative to anybody else, it is minimal. So again, I, I get saving Messi for what you feel are the appropriate games. But if you are going to do that, I do think that you have a responsibility to let the public know as to what you are, what you are going ahead of time. So again, people aren't spinning their wheels and doing things like this that puts them in a situation where you knew he wasn't going to play and you still let people spend ridiculous amounts of money and stadiums fill up. I just think that that's, that's icky. Now, I mentioned that our first inkling that he wasn't going to play was when he posted a picture of him eating pizza. (laughs) Uh, Sean Sullivan, not impressed by his uh, choice here. I want to get the name of this place right. I said Banquero. It's probably pronounced Banchero. Uh, It's an Argentinian place in Miami. And as to the pizza itself, uh, we were looking at this before taping. I mean, it's loaded with tomatoes. There's pickles in there. Very little cheese. You also were a tad bewildered by his selection. I I was a tad bewildered in that it didn't look like it had any cheese on it. And, and, and again, who am I to judge one of the greats when it comes to soccer? Uh, But I am going to, because I have been judged before as as people know, my perfect pizza is a little Caesars pizza circa 1985. Okay. That has mushrooms and pineapple. Yes. I will die on the pineapple on pizza Hill. Messi uh, not only promoted this pizzeria and this pizza, um, but in doing so, I, I'm not sure if the owners uh, get what they want out of this other than a lot of attention. But again, the backlash as to what this pizza was and what this pizza wasn't, uh, again, it just shows that he can be the greatest player of all time, but his pizza choice leaves something to be desired uh, in terms of what is on it and just the aesthetic of it. It's, it's not a very good looking pizza. And when you open that pizza box, and I know this is a guy talking about Little Caesars Pizza, so I can hear the venom and feel the venom from people out there that are running and in their cars and, and however you uh, listen to this or watch this podcast saying, this is ridiculous. A guy talking about Little Caesars is giving messy advice about pizza. Oh, well, what's your favorite pizza? Uh, here in LA, I love this place, Larchmont pizza. But, but what's uh, on it? Like, what does it, what does it look like? I'm a pepperoni guy. Just straight pepperoni? Cheese and pepperoni. Oh, yeah. God, how boring. Uh, all right. Anyway, enough uh, about Messi and Miami and, uh, and pizza, but we'll see if this works out for them in terms of winning that open cup final against Houston. And then, you know, are they going to do anything to really fight for that last, uh, last spot? Because now they've lost uh, again without Messi, but we'll see what, go, what goes on and don't, and don't sleep on Atlanta. They're flying right now. Uh, where should we go next? Uh, well, before we get to remaining games, should we uh, take a look at the Eastern Conference standings? Okay, let's take a look at the, uh, the standings. As we just, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Miami just, they're, they're, you know, they're trying uh, to get in there. Uh, as I mentioned about Atlanta, again, Cincinnati clenched a, a spot and they just are 
wonderful. Orlando, sneaky Orlando into that second position. I know you wanted to talk about that. That's where we're going to go next. That was an incredible game. Uh, Orlando beating Columbus 4-3. Columbus had a 3-1 lead in the second half. Gressel, Rossi, and Cucho with the goals for them. Facundo Torres made it 3-2. And then Ramiro Enrique with a late double. Orlando, the hottest team in the league right now. As you mentioned, they've surged up to second in the East. Oscar Pereira doing an incredible job. A great job. I think on the other side, if if uh, you know the uh, the Columbus fans are listening, uh, and I know they are, they're probably saying this was something that was handed to Orlando. And you know Columbus has had a habit of not finishing out games and letting in late goals, but this was this was nuts. A lot of talk this week actually about timing of games and the addition of minutes and stuff like that. That's a, that's a whole segment that we could do, but maybe we'll table that for, uh, for later on. But this, this phenomenon of adding what amounts to be the correct amount of time to the ends of the game, seeing a lot of these games going into the hundreds in terms of minutes and, and, and goals being scored at that. Uh, I, I don't know how, how you feel about that right now, but it's being done because so much freaking time is wasted during the game that everyone was screaming and yelling. And now that it's happening, people are screaming and yelling that the games are going too long and we're getting into this crazy 100 minute type of existence. I thought this was a temporary measure to deter players from time wasting, but it seems to have stuck and it's the new normal now. And that takes some getting used to, to have every game have 10 minutes of second half stoppers. Yeah. I mean, a couple of new rules. All right. If and when the ball goes into your net, your goalkeeper or anybody on your team that allowed the goal is not allowed to touch it. I don't know if you saw Brad Guzan and, and the goal and stuff like that. Don't touch it. Don't touch the freaking ball, all right? Or it's a yellow card. How about that? Goalkeeper, if the ball goes into your net, fine. It's the, it's the goal scoring team's responsibility to get the ball and to bring it back to the center. How about that? There's, there's, uh, uh, there's one thing that, uh, that I believe should, uh, should absolutely happen. Another great game in the East, Philadelphia, Cincinnati. Philadelphia had a 2-0 lead. Martinez with a great strike and Gazdag from the penalty spot. But uh, Cincinnati rallied. Bupenza made it 2-1 and then assisted Vasquez, who made it 2-2. So Cincinnati earned a point away from home as they inch closer towards the supporter shield. Well, you know, I mean, it's all from the, the Philadelphia tree. And you, you birthed the situation in... Uh, in uh, in Cincinnati, if you are Philadelphia, and they have to be, yeah, they have to be kicking themselves like Columbus for ultimately letting this happen. But this is also Cincinnati, which is a very, very good team. And Muscat and Elliott both sent off on that one. We transition to the Western Conference. Let's take a look at the standings there for those of you watching us. All right, here we go. Uh, Western Conference. Uh, again, we got St. Louis, which has, I mean, by now, far surpassed anybody's expectation, except maybe their own. But even the, the most staunchest uh, St. Louis fan has to agree that this is incredible what St. Louis has done. And the ability for this team, an expansion team, by the way, to maintain, no, not by the way, because of the fact that they are an expansion team, to maintain this throughout the season. You know, everyone kept saying, yes, the hit's going to come, dog days of summer, they're going to get found out, reality's going to set in, and yet it has never really happened. They have, they, you know, they jumped out to a, a lead and jumped all over everyone, and tremendous amount of credit has to go to that city and that club and all of the leadership. Uh, you know, Bradley and, and everybody there for what they have done with this St. Louis team. And we'll see if they can parlay it into playoffs because we also know that when the playoffs come, sometimes that 
that chapter gets closed on what you did and it doesn't always inform what happens in the playoffs. Next up for St. Louis is a home game against LAFC, which is one versus two. And LAFC will be coming off an El Trafico victory, which they picked up this weekend, 4-2 over the Galaxy. Dennis Buanga with two goals. Chris Mavinga with an incredible mistake on that uh, second Buanga goal, which was the go-ahead goal, made it 3-2. So LAFC take this one. I mean, the Galaxy, just when you think they're back, they shoot themselves in the foot and become the Galaxy of old. And, and again, we, we talked about this last uh, episode. This is self-inflicted. And they were able to come back. And you thought, all right, here we go. And this was not a great LAFC performance. But the Galaxy gave their biggest rival in the biggest game of the season in terms of El Trafico and what it means, just handed it to him, gave him a gift, said, here you go. Here's Steve Trondolo. Here's a, here's a gift for you and your team. And LAFC said, thank you very much. We will take that. And now LA Galaxy face yet another situation where it's coming down to the end and that musical chairs might not have them in the playoffs. And then the FS1 game, Portland claimed a 2-1 away win over Austin, Mora, and Evander with the goals. Portland now above the playoff line in the West. Portland above the playoff line in the, in the Northwest. I mean, good for them. And by the way, going into Austin, I know Austin has not had a, uh, a great season. That's a, that's a big result for them. Uh, Drusi continues on uh, with the goal for Austin, but I mean, that's, that's big for Portland, obviously with a, uh, a coaching change and everything there and all the, the turmoil that's going on there. Um, it also, I just want to mention before we, uh, before we move on, uh, going back to, the New England Revolution, which we talked so much about over the last couple of weeks, uh, and that crazy drama. Well, now it's affecting them on the field because they go into Colorado and lose to Colorado. I should mention that the Colorado faithful, uh, at least a portion of them, uh, protested and walked out and left a sign that they not, they're not happy with the ownership. They missed a hell of a game. And by the way, they missed their team beating uh, one, of the, one of the great teams in this, uh, in this season, albeit a, uh, a New England Revolution that is, that is hurting right now. Here's the other thing I was thinking about in terms of rule changes, Mossy. If and when a goalkeeper wastes time uh, on a goal kick, for example, boom, corner kick, boom. If, if you don't have it, boom, it's a corner kick for the opposition. So wow. you have to get the ball, put it up there, and get it going back into play. Again, I'm just thinking about ways to, tr- to try to mitigate some of this 100th minute type of situation that we have. And to your point, it was done, I think, to try to get it better but what it has done is it's just elongated the game. And, and from a television perspective, this is interesting because we talk about windows. We have two-hour windows uh, or two-and-a-half-hour windows, windows if you have a studio show. And now you're going over two, uh, two hours. One of the great things about soccer is that it is in that two-hour time frame. And if now the game is changing and getting longer, that's not a good look and that's not a good thing for soccer going forward. Anyway, I digress. Anything else, Mossy? That's it. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take a little whip around Europe as the uh, club competition has returned. Don't go anywhere. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
Okay, welcome back. Let's take a little whip around Europe. All sorts of stuff going on. Should we start over there in Italia? Yes, this was a big one versus two sh- showdown at the San Siro. Inter demolished AC Milan 5-1. Henrik Mkhitaryan with two goals. Marcos Turan, who was slotted in very nicely alongside Lautaro Martinez, scored with a sensational strike. Uh, Christian Pulisic started, was ineffective, came off early in the second half. Yunus Musa, who, as we talked about, not a big factor on that team right now. I know you think he's going to eventually emerge, but he was thrown on late when the outcome was already decided. Uh, On Pulisic, only one game. I don't want to make too big a deal of it, but there's a type of bad game where you try stuff and it doesn't come off. And then there's one where you play scared and timid. And this was more of that, which was very disappointing. I, I also think that, I mean, I know we look at it through the lens of red, white, and blue color glasses. And in this case, Pulisic, who had started off so brightly uh, when it comes to his uh, Milan adventure. And yes, he was non-existent, but Milan was non-existent. And so this was, and this should, it should not be a surprise what the last five times they've, uh, they've played. So Inter has Milan's number. And Milan is blue and black. And this was an absolute ass whooping. Nobody acquitted themselves uh, well uh, from an AC Milan side. And as we look at Pulisic, yeah, to your point, he never got into a flow. You never saw him being dynamic and beating people. And he also, I I think he knew, as did probably his, his entire team, that they were in for it and this was not going to go well. And hopefully it's an aberration. Hopefully it's one of those, one of those things. Obviously, Champions League, we'll talk about that later on uh, going forward. But again, I guess it is also a warning shot to him or any player out there that Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? And not having a good game, even within a game where nobody had a good game, is not great for somebody who still, while has shown good things, it, it wouldn't surprise me at, at a certain point if they say, all right, well, let's try something else. Yeah, Inter, they remember they eliminated AC Milan in the semifinals of the Champions League last season. So to your point, they've had their number four wins out of four to start this Serie A campaign. They are looking like the team to beat. I was very impressed with their performance. Uh, some good news for Americans in Serie A. Juventus claimed a 3-1 home win over Lazio. Wesson McKinney started at wing back again, played very well, involved in all three goals, assisted Vlahovic for the third. He then came off in the second half, was replaced by Timmy Weah, who missed a chance late. Uh, but still, Weston McKinney, the story here, had a man-of-the-match performance for the U.S. against Oman, and he carries it over at club level. Yeah, he was great. As you said, he was involved in all the goals. Although, I will say, sometimes, and I, I'm guilty of this, uh, so I will raise my hand, we're, we're so desperate to attach positive types of things. In, to, involved is doing a lot of work in a couple of those. I mean, well, the, the, one to, the one to Vlaovic, I mean, this is just... This is just a hopeful ball that's oh. 70 you know, you know, yards down the field. I didn't I didn't Interesting. Think, no, Th- I didn't. This was described as a brilliant assist all over U.S. soccer well, Twitter. I know, I get it. I mean, here, <laughs> if you're watching the show, you can see it here. I mean, this is in the air a long time. And again, it, it's not that it doesn't have direction. And it's not that, you know, to the victor go the spoils. So Weston McKinney is going to take this. But, you know, Vlavich has to see this thing. The defense also has to back off and say, no, I couldn't possibly go up and head this, head this out. But by the way, had this been done in major league soccer in all of the anti MLSers out there would come out, look at this crap defending the balls in the air forever. And nobody wants to take it. And they allow Vlaovic to bring it down on his chest. But since it's done here and obviously with the uh, an involvement from, uh, from Weston McKinney. And again, I don't, I don't mean to poo poo it because he was wonderful today. And, 
uh, on the on the day and was involved and consistent. Again, it, playing right back. So I mean, if that's his new position for uh, for for Juventus, fine, make the most out of it, and that he is involved on a consistent basis. That's a good thing. But sometimes, again, we attach we 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 try so hard to attach positives to a, a situation where it was just a a, a crapshoot type of ball. And this was his 100th Juventus appearance. Nice Wonderful. milestone for him. But lest anybody believe that Leeds fans have egg on their face for how much they crapped on McKinney, this is only perpetuating the English fans' notion that the Premier League is so superior that a player who struggled in England is now thriving with Juventus. I even had an English guy on, on Twitter this past week tell me that he was poo-pooing what Jude Bellingham is doing at Real Madrid and saying, we're not going to know if he's a good player or not until he plays week in and week out in the Premier League. So that's the view they... I, I, yeah. I think this only perpetuates the, it's not a myth, it's the fact that Leeds sucks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter who uh, it is that, uh, that came there, they would have struggled. Um, Le- Leeds is, uh, they're, they're in the championship right now, right? Yes. Is that what they're doing? Okay, go ahead. All right, moving on. Uh, more good news on the American front. Uh, Folarin Balogun got his first goal for Monaco in a 2-2 draw away to Lorient, a nice left-footed strike. I mean, from a U.S. perspective, that's great. But just from a, I guess, a personal perspective, you know, when when a player moves, there is, I mean, it's upheaval. Everything. It's a new, it's a new club. Oftentimes, it's a new city. It's a completely different dynamic. It could even could be a different language. Uh, you know, he he continues on in France, um, and it's it, these are still loans, right? I mean, uh, for for Flo, right? From um, I don't know. This was a signing. This was a signing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is wonderful for him and this is wonderful for the u.s to get him in to to continue to have him scoring goals and to come in and to prove to himself and also to prove to his team that this is why i'm here this is what i do and if you are a striker uh and you are proficient you need to go to different places and you will go to different places whether it's a, a cane or anybody else uh, Lewandowski, this is what you do. And I know Flo's not on that, on that level yet, but congratulations to him. And hopefully this is the first of many. Uh, staying with the American center forward theme, uh, PSV claimed a 4-0 win over NEC in the Eredivisie. Uh, Pepe began on the bench. Luke de Jong, who started, scored two goals. Then Pepe replaced him right after PSV earned a penalty. Pepe stepped up to take it as he was supposed to. Chucky Lozano, who had also come on as a sub, he wanted to take it. They got into an argument about it. Pepe stood his ground, converted. The manager backed him up afterwards, said he was the designated taker there. This was an interesting U.S.-Mexico moment that got a lot of attention on Twitter. <laughs> I love it. I love when players on the same team fight because there's this, there's this, strange, uh, there's this strange dynamic that occurs, even on the field, where the opposition is looking around and going, wait, th- th- we're aren't we supposed to be involved in this? Aren't we supposed to be kicking this off? And yet when they're fighting and it can happen at penalties, it can happen at different, there are different points. The referee doesn't quite know what to do. The, the, the players don't know quite what to do. And in essence, what you're doing is in a already pressure filled situation, you're only ratcheting it up because now you've basically said, all right, I lost this battle. You're going to take it. Now you have to make it. Now, to Pepe's credit, not only was he the designated player to take it, so he has the backing uh, from the bench, but also he stepped up and he drilled it. Uh, it's just a bad, bad look. And if it's already designated as to who is to take it, then for Chucky, this looks bad. This is not a good look. You but, want- you know, Mexico on America, 
uh, international types of uh, dynamics even happening over there in Europe. You wonder where his head's at because Chucky previously shined for PSV, parlayed that into a move to Napoli. And now the fact that he's had to go back to PSV, that's a demotion in your career. There's no way to spin that. And so he's probably not thrilled about being back there. And he feels like I should at least show up with the status of being the star. And whenever I want to take a penalty, I should just be able to grab the ball and take it. And yet instead he's being treated as just another player in that squad. So well, he's I probably like, frustrated. I like ultimately that, that Pepe won that or whatever and, and patted Chucky on the head and said, this is mine. Go sit down. <laughs> And by the way, the U.S. center forward narrative has really changed in a short period of time here from there's nobody to now you have these two young up-and-coming stars in Balogun and Pepe scoring goals at the international level, Slow scoring goals role, at club dude. level. Slow your roll, Greg okay. Berhalter We're spoiled still... for choices. Okay, fine. So are any of these players, with who they are right now, okay, U.S. plays uh, Holland in the, World, in the World Cup. Is it Does it change the fortunes? I don't know. I mean, are you really that drastically different than... What was it, eight months ago? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But, but this is a good thing. All right. What do you got? We transitioned to Germany where we had a uh, top of the table show down there. Bayern Munich and Leverkusen played to a 2-2 draw. Uh, this was the rare Bundesliga game involving Bayern and somebody else that we hyped up and had actually lived up to the billing because that other team held up its end of the bargain. Leverkusen somewhat fortunate to get a point. Bayern were up 2-1 in stoppage time. Kane and Goretzka had been their goal scorers. Grimaldo connected on a sensational free kick for Leverkusen. And then the equalizer came because of a dumb Alfonso Davies uh, needless penalty, which VAR spotted. Palacios converted. But nevertheless, even if this game had ended 2-1 Bayern, Leverkusen gave a good enough account of themselves that I think it would have validated all the good things we had said about them. And They're the real deal. Also. They're absolutely yeah. the real deal. I mean, I don't think ultimately they, they necessarily are there at the end, but they are the real deal and they deserve uh, credit. And this was, a, this was a fun game. I think Bayern will look at this as a, a disappointment. Obviously, it was in the palm of their hand. And Alfonso Davis, you're no longer just a young player, all right? Just figuring it out. You've you've won everything. You have been. You've had plenty of playing time. You are a starter. You're arguably the best left back in the world, and you need to understand and recognize your surroundings and the circumstances that you are in. So this is if you're the coach, for example, in this situation. I know we talked about this before, Mossy, about how much credits or or how much responsibility to put on a coach's plate. If you're the coach and your player goes and does this, is it your responsibility? Is this, should this be on the coach that uh, Alfonso Davis? No, this is on the player. All right. This has nothing to do with X's and O's. This has nothing to do with mentality. This has nothing to do with uh, strategy or your coaching philosophy. This is a player taking it upon himself to do something stupid that in no way, shape or form were you coached to do or should you do or should you even fathom to do given your experience? And so I would be, I would be angry at Alfonso Davies for gifting this, this, uh, this point ultimately to Leverkusen. And that's not to take away anything in terms of the way that they play. Because like you said, it was a wonderful performance for them. And like I said, they're the real deal. Uh, Dortmund claimed a 4-2 away win over Freiburg. Mats Hummels with two goals. Mats Hummels with a brace, huh? Yeah. Gio Reyna, not even in the squad. Boy, Gio cannot get himself healthy. He played for the under-23s over the international break, which we thought meant he would at least be in the squad for this game, but not to be. I mean, it's exhausting constantly talking about Gio. And because he is such a talent, I get why we do it. But at this point, just 
call me when you're ready. <laughs> and, we'll, and then we'll talk about it. his team obviously would love to have him because he's just another good player for them, but they're not, uh, they're certainly not suffering. And until he's actually playing soccer, all the other stuff is BS. It really, it, it really doesn't matter, but I get, I get why we constantly want to talk about him. And we had been led to believe that at least he was heading and maybe, maybe he still is in the right direction. So who knows, maybe this will come upon us very, very quickly where he is back in playing. Uh, one Premier League score to get in. Manchester City came from behind for a 3-1 away victory over West Ham. Once again, I want to repeat, that was an away victory for Manchester City. Why are you emphasizing away? We had that wrong in our last part. Oh, we did. All right. Well, you, I mean, we're going to get some things wrong. We make mistakes just like everybody else. We are, if nothing, uh, if nothing if not human, we understand, uh, we understand that. But, you know, Man City, all right, congratulations. Man City, uh, Holland, right? Uh, did he score another one? Uh, he got one, his seventh of the campaign. City, five wins out of five to start the season. Oh, my goodness. Um, Newcastle finally uh, heading in the right direction. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll transition. We probably should transition to UCL now because there are people that are, like we, we already talked about AC Milan. Does that shellacking that they got, or were they looking forward to UCL? Does that hurt them coming into UCL? Newcastle getting their win and back on the winning ways. Do they bring that momentum into uh, Champions League? Uh, yeah. So as you mentioned, match day one of the Champions League this week on the American front, AC Milan will play host to Newcastle. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, I don't expect Gio to play, but in theory, he, if he does, they are away to PSG. And that's all one group, by the way. That's a group of death. Milan, Newcastle, PSG, and Dortmund. Uh, on Wednesday, you've got uh, Union Berlin away to Real Madrid. So Brendan Aronson will get to play at the Bernabeu. Uh, PSV, as we just mentioned, Sergino Des, Tillman, Pepe, etc. They are away to Arsenal. Um, the best game of all is Bayern Munich hosting Manchester United. Harry Kane facing familiar opposition. And they have to be licking their chops if they're Bayern Munich uh, with what Manchester United <laughs> yeah. isn't, that, I guess. That's a topic for another day, but uh, the bloom is off the rose for Eric Ten Hag. United are in crisis again, a lousy start to the season. Do you think he's under pressure, Ten Hag? Yeah, if things keep really? going. I don't think they're going to change the manager again so soon. And he did have a, a good first season. They finished third. They won a trophy, got to another final. Uh are you but, inspired by Ten Hag? Well, yeah, I mean, does, does he do anything I, for I, you? I thought, I thought it was a solid enough first season that, you know, if they were able to build off that, you'd feel like they're heading yeah. in the right direction. But instead, it's gone the other way. And so you're starting to wonder about them again. Yeah. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens after uh, coming up against uh, Bayern. But who knows? Maybe they rise to the occasion. All right. But this is, a, this is a, like you said, uh, as far as a schedule, this is wonderful, wonderful game. So Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be fun. We'll be recording uh, after everything happens on uh, Wednesday. So we'll be talking about all that kind of stuff for the pod that shows up late Wednesday uh, on your feed. Uh, all right. Anything else? That's it. All right. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, it's time for Ask Alexi. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Okay, welcome back. It's time for Ask Alexi, that part of the show where you send in your questions. You can use that hashtag Ask Alexi on all the uh, social media platforms uh, out there if you want. And keep in mind that our handle is SOTU with Alexi, or you can call into our State of the Union podcast hotline. Our voice mailbox is 657-549-2297. That's 657-549-2297. What do we got today, Masi? We've got a couple of voicemails. Let's take a listen to the first one right now. Hey, Alexi and Masi, this is Josh from Atlanta, Georgia. Love what you guys do for the pod and for growing the game in the greatest country in the world. So quick question. Atlanta just got named um, as the new training center for uh, USA soccer. Just want to wonder what you think that'll do for the South, for Atlanta. And then I got another one kind of off the wall. What do you think about eliminating the own goal in the MLS? Um, and just giving credit for to the offensive player that, you know, had the most impact you know, nobody likes own goals. The defenders hate them. They put their name on the, on the score sheet. I don't understand it. Um, the attackers hate them because it takes away a goal. We want to be a selling league. We want to boost our stats. We want to make our attacking players look good. What would you think about abolishing the own goal? Thank you guys so much. Interesting, Josh from Atlanta. I like it. I like both of these uh, questions and or comments. And I agree with you. This is the greatest country in the world. Flaws, absolutely. But uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful country. And Atlanta is a wonderful, wonderful place for soccer. It has been for a long time. And to your point, it's going to become even more wonderful with the announcement uh, over the last couple of days that the United States Soccer Federation will be building a training center and moving everything, the whole kit and caboodle, which for so long has been based in Chicago, will move to Atlanta. Now, Atlanta, we know there's already plenty of people that are moving to Atlanta anyway when it comes to uh, the jobs, uh, when it comes to the weather, when it comes to the opportunity, uh, the tech situation that is going on over there, uh, whether it's Coca-Cola or Delta and all these different companies that are headquartered uh, there, whether it's um, actual location and real estate when it comes to creating a training center. Now, this is going to be a long-term type of project. It's going to take a number of years. And Arthur Blank, the uh, owner of Atlanta United and obviously one of the owners and founders of Home Depot, has donated $50 million. And that will get people to move uh, places in a hurry. I think this is wonderful. I think this is wonderful for Atlanta. I, while I think it is going to be a destination and is going to become a focus for U.S. soccer in terms of their offices and what they do. I don't think that it's only going to be about Atlanta. It never has been. It never will be in a country our size. But I do think a lot is going to kind of emanate now from from Atlanta in a way that Chicago didn't and or couldn't in the past as the previous center for the United States Soccer Federation. And again, Offices will be there. Fields will be there. You know, training center will be there. So national teams could train there. Uh, the size of the airport, all of these different things I combined, I think makes sense for moving it to Atlanta. And there were other places that were in, um, that were in, uh, that were considered, but Atlanta wins out ultimately. And Arthur Blank has a lot to do with that giving $50 million for, uh, for this project. That is going to be, I think it's going to be fun. So congratulations to Atlanta and we'll see how, how it manifests and, and what ultimately starts to emanate out uh, out of there. But I just think it's going to be a whole lot better than the situation. Soccer House, for those that don't know, was literally a house that existed in uh, Chicago and for decades was the headquarters for the United States Soccer Federation. Over the last couple of years, they sold Soccer House. They've had offices in downtown Chicago. But this is 
a situation when it comes to the United States Soccer Federation where the last one out of Chicago turned out the lights because they are moving to Atlanta. Musk, anything on this? No, I do have something on the own goals. Okay, so yes. Also, Josh said, should they get rid of uh, own goals? I have no problem with that. I have no problem. I mean, it's kind of like the double assists in that, you know, you're padding stats, but we want goals. We want, uh, we want to reward the ball going into the net. You might recall at the Women's World Cup, we had a couple of really goofy own goals. I remember one in Spain against Switzerland where a defender just turned around and passed it back to the keeper who wasn't expecting it. And yep. went in. finding an attacking player to assign that goal to <laughs> not be easy. Last person to touch it. Last person to touch it from the attacking team uh, gets, the, gets the credit. It will result, to your, uh, to your point, Josh, in players getting credit for goals that, let's be honest, they had absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with and no intention of scoring. But I'm okay with that. Um, but not because, not because out of some shaming of players when it, when it shows up as a player as an own goal. I, I mean, listen, that we've all scored them. And if, if, if we've scored them in a way where it's on television or something like that, it shows up as an own goal. I don't think that that's the case. I just think you do it in an effort to, again, acknowledge and dress up goals from an attacking perspective, which is ultimately what soccer wants and soccer needs. What else? Uh, another voicemail. Let's take a listen right now. Hey, uh, Mossy and uh, Alexi. It's Alejandro from Las Vegas. Uh, I've had the pleasure of you guys answering a couple of my questions. Uh, I was listening to the Bruce Springsteen episode. Uh, let me take some heat off of uh, off of Alexi. And I actually have a question for Mossy. Um, I'm a longtime listener of the show, so I want to know, what's your beef with 50 Cent? Um, his his uh, debut album and his sophomore album, in my opinion, are hip hop classics. So I, I really, I really want to know what's your disdain, disdain for uh, 50 Cent. I, uh, thanks. All right. So hold on. Uh, Alejandro, I mean, he, he's a longtime listener and I forget even the show that we did last week. So have you been over the years, uh, disdainful towards 50 Cent? Yes. I know this is of no interest to you, but will you indulge me for a couple of minutes to talk about Yeah, absolutely. Of course. I, I'm, I'm fascinated right now. Uh, got, go shorty. It's your birthday. Is that 50 cent or no? Is that uh, yeah, in the club? In the club. Yes. I remember um, Ezra Hendrickson and Sasha Victorine and Peter Vianis just cranking that in the uh, LA Galaxy locker room on numerous occasions. Yeah, the two albums he's referring to, Get Rich or Die Trying and Massacre, were both massive sellers. And as Chuck Klosterman says, commercial success doesn't guarantee quality, but it guarantees commercial relevance. So there's no question that 50 Cent is an important figure in hip-hop history, like it or not. The same uh, way I talked about Bruce. Yes, there's, uh, there's no, no denying that. Hip-hop, a genre which, by the way, it's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. What do we start it at? What does the anniversary start at? I mean... Uh, I guess we've identified 73 as the, it seems somewhat arbitrary, okay, but fine, the, okay. the start date for hip hop. Um, yeah. In fairness to 50, uh, <laughs> I, I do like, <laughs> I, I, I do like some of his underground stuff in the nineties, uh, which is when Nas linked up with him. Um, and then he was shot nine times and that forever changed the way he rhymes. It gave him kind of this Southern draw. It sapped him of some of his lyrical dexterity and uh, I've not enjoyed any of his mainstream stuff, including the two albums that Alejandro referenced. I think it's garbage. Uh, I've never heard a single 50 Cent song since he went mainstream that I was impressed with lyrically. Some of them have nice beats and fun hooks. And if you're in the right mood at a club or whatever, you can kind of dance to it. But there's nothing that's ever impressed me on a lyrical level. I think he's a mediocre lyricist at best. And that's what I 
am a fan of that type Whoa, of top. So flaming hot take. And I don't even know what the hell half of the stuff that you said is. It, it, uh, he so he was shot in the throat or what happened? What do you mean? Shot nine times all over his body. But yeah. you recognize a different timber or or yes. or even pronunciation in terms of yes. his rhyming. If you listen to the underground stuff from the 90s and listen to the stuff afterwards, it's different. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and you're not having any of it. No. So you're, you like pre-shot 50. Correct. Okay. My, my favorite rapper, Nas, turned 50 years old on Thursday of last week and released a new album, Magic 3, which I enjoy very much. I've been listening to it nonstop uh, since then. Wow. All right. So listen, Alejandro, you got more than you bargained for when it came to that question. But I love the fact that you are putting Mossy on the spot. And it's interesting. And so for all of you uh, 50 Cent purists and enthusiasts who love him before the shooting and after the shooting, you can come after Mossy uh, for his take. So basically for you, it's 50 Cent, just two albums and that was it. Well, from a mainstream standpoint, I would say no albums. I don't enjoy any of his mainstream work. You just enjoy the, the, the early stuff. Correct. With the Go Shorty, that's, your, that's post? That's post. That was the big hit single really? from So his when date, I was listening his... to it back, back in the day in the uh, Galaxy locker room, that was post. Yeah. You were already over I, him. I was already point. rolling my eyes at that stuff. Wow. Wow. You are, uh, you're, you're knee deep when it comes to 50. All right, cool. Uh, well, thank you for your question. Thank you to Josh and Alejandro uh, for your question. And again, if you want to be like Josh and Alejandro and call in and uh, talk about uh, possible rule changes and or 50 cent or any artist out there, feel free to use our state of the union podcast hotline again at 657-549-2297. We'll take another quick break. When we come back, it's the end of our show and I'll give you my one for the road. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, welcome back. It's the end of our show. And at the end of each and every show, I give you my one for the road. You know, Masi, I was uh, going back and forth on the old uh, Twitter machine or the X machine, whatever we're calling this thing now, um, with some folks that brought up a, I guess it's a phenomenon that has been around for a while. And that is this, this strange vilification of those who work in youth soccer and make a living in youth soccer. And whether it's the clubs or the actual coaches or the administrators, and this this strange desire to criticize and or punish those for what they are making and how much they are making. Uh, youth coaches in the United States have been around forever, um, many, many generations when it comes to soccer and, and other sports and, and all sports for that matter. I think that youth coaches out there should be paid as much as the market will bear. I think the great ones should actually be paid more. Uh, they provide a service and they provide a product that customers are willing to pay for. And again, this misguided belief that coaching soccer or any sport, I guess, for that matter, must be this altruistic and charitable type of endeavor, I think is just completely ridiculous. Now, as a coach, as a youth sports coach and a youth soccer coach, it doesn't mean that it can't be personal. It doesn't mean that it can't be passionate, but this is your job. 
This is what you do. This is what you are being paid to do. And this sentiment out there that you're charging too much or you aren't worthy of the money that you are making. And let's be honest, the vast, vast majority are making very, very little. If you don't like the situation when it comes to youth soccer, and there is plenty to not like, and there's plenty to be critical about the system that we have and the situation that we have when it comes to youth development and youth soccer. If you don't like it, for example, someone was telling me about their eight-year-old that was traveling. If you don't like it, don't, don't travel. Don't pay for it. Don't accept it. Find a soccer experience for your child that you feel is better. And so many people out there, they seem to have a clear understanding and belief about what is appropriate for youth soccer players in terms of their development and a clear understanding and belief about what shouldn't be done or what bad is out there. But nobody is being forced to do anything. We have you know, MLS academies that are free. We have almost every youth club that has financial aid. Uh, there are more youth and college and pro teams and leagues and pathways and opportunities for Americans than any time in U.S. history. And don't get me wrong. It is far from perfect. But this decades old narrative of players slipping through the cracks, while there certainly are players that don't get the opportunities and are slipping through the cracks, it has gotten a lot harder to slip through the cracks. And so many people like to say, this is the problem with soccer. And they point to you soccer and what it is and the business that it is. And I have no problem that it is a business because again, it is providing that, that service. And if you have a problem with it, tell me what you would do to change it other than force people to take less money force people to make it free. Well, you know, I, I got some information for you. Free soccer is not free. Free soccer costs. So who is ultimately going to pay for all that free soccer that you are talking about? And sometimes I get irritated about it. And sometimes I get frustrated about it because again, this group out there that the vast, vast majority work each and every day to develop players, to give players a great experience and to crap on them because of the money that they are making, because of the business decisions that they have made, that have made their businesses, whether it's their clubs or their teams uh, or their coaches individually successful. I just don't think that's fair. And I don't think that's right. And I don't think ultimately that is what is the problem. Anyway, that's my one for the road. Mossy, anything before we go? No, I'll just say, I hope we see you here Wednesday, but if not, it's because you are... Again, I am, I am in that roulette mode of uh, jury duty, and I, I will gladly do my service, my civil service, and uh, I've, I've served before on a, uh, on, on a jury, and it's, it's, it's interesting. At times, it's not interesting. Uh, I got a... Um, what did I get? I had a, a lawsuit where we're in Los Angeles, so it was a, a, uh, a script writer who was alleging that uh, they had been plagiarized or by somebody else. So that was really, eh, it was interesting. And it was interesting to see how it all worked. So if you ever want an appreciation um, of the uh, judicial system, then you know, don't, don't skip that thing that comes and they will find you.
Uh, what if this ends up being like an OJ like murder trial and you're gone for a year? Well, that's not going to happen. I, 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 I will have to find a way to get off of the jury and do something ridiculous or, <laughs> or whatever. I, I don't think that I could do that. I mean, maybe I could. I don't know. I mean, again, if, if I don't do it, Mossy, then maybe somebody else does it. And it, maybe that person is a moron. And would you want to have a moron on the jury? Maybe you would in, in terms of getting you off and all you need is one if you're the defendant. But I would want and I do want juries to be comprised of smart people, to be comprised of able people, to be comprised of people that are deciding someone's fate, either individually or relative to something that is happening out there. I like <laughs> and I want them to be competent. I consider myself competent. So I don't know. I'd be you could do much worse in terms of having somebody on your jury. That's it. Anything? All right, cool. Uh, we will talk to you again next week. Uh, not next week. Next episode later on this week. Like we said, all sorts of stuff going on, including Champions League. So enjoy your soccer. Keep reviewing. Keep re uh, rating. Keep downloading. Keep doing all the different things that you do out there when it comes to the State of the Union podcast. We'll talk to you again later on in the week. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day. <laughs> <laughs>